Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Sometimes we can be so laser focused on the here and the now that we forget about the what's next. And, and if you've lived long, long at all, you'll probably realize that you're reaping some of the the good or the bad, the positive, the negative from things that you've done in your past. But it's important that we don't just focus on the past, that we focus on what's ahead. Let's learn from that and let's sow some good seeds right now. And it says throughout the scripture about eternity, it is really in the same way as we die, then we take a new form. It's not over. And I want to try and do as best a job as I can to represent some of these truths that we see in the Scripture, to be quite honest, we don't probably talk about that much. Not just here, but I think across the board. I think we're in an era of the church where we've kind of went to this whole love thing. I think the world is on this love agenda thing, and a lot of it's not really defined very well. We don't know what that actually means a lot of the time. Um, It's got a little bit cloudy. But we see as we look to Jesus and as we've looked through this series, we've realized that Jesus is not just the loving lamb, that soft, compassionate part of love, which he is. He's also the lion, the lion of Judah. He's, he's the ultimate judge who will judge the living and the dead, that all will bow before him one day. And so that's different language to just the compassionate side of Jesus that we see. It's, it's, a, it's, it's the lordship of Christ. It's, it's the leader. He's the boss of our lives as well. He's, not, he's a friend, but he's also our boss. Can I get an amen? And so you've seen it maybe yourself when a parent or a leader tries to be your friend too much. You can start to become too familiar and start to lose respect. Or if you're a parent, if you, you get too familiar with your kids, sometimes the kid can start to flutter their eyelashes, especially if they're a girl, and they get what they want. How many times have you heard some of my friends say, oh, I can't do anything with that. She'll just get what she wants. She's too cute. She's too, I love her too much. And, and as, as my daughter, or I love him too much as my son, and I find it hard to say no. But, but the reality is when we need leadership in life, we need not just a friend. We need someone who can step up and, and step ahead and lead us as we come under. And sometimes that can be the hard part, and I think in today's culture, that's probably, probably not what we're feeling as much, and we're not seeing as much, and it's what we need. Uh, and so we looked over the last few weeks about how uh, there is judgment. It says throughout the Scripture there's a judgment day. There's the great white throne of judgment for people who do not believe in Christ. Uh, and then there's the judgment um, for those that do the judgment seat of Christ, where where those who believe in Christ will be rewarded for their works. But we're not, it's careful, we got to be careful that we we don't misinterpret, that we're not saved by works. I know some of us have maybe been brought up in, in cultures where we've had a missing link in the chain. We're not saved by works. We'll never be good enough to merit salvation. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. It was by what he done. He paid a price that we couldn't pay. But because we're saved by Jesus' work on the cross, we are now saved for works. 
The transformation of our life, the sanctification of our life, is about us transforming to become more like Christ so that we have our, our heart is full of love, full of God's kindness, that we then pour out that love, that kindness onto others, onto humanity. We combat evil with that love, with that power, with that uh, the goodness of God leads us to repent, to change. Why? Not just to change for the sake of it, to change so that we can impact the earth and be God's hands and feet. Can I get an amen? And then we talked about how uh, there's definitely evil in the world. I don't think there's anyone in this room or in the world right now would not admit and agree with that truth that there's evil and there is good. Uh, the problem with evil is sometimes, it's, uh, most of the time, it's deceptive. It's not just like a pitchfork and a, a wee guy with a red, uh, red outfit on with a pitchfork saying, hey, I'm the devil. I'm going to tell you to do this. You probably shouldn't do it. It's usually, it, com it comes in disguise. And if, if, if you were Satan right now, you were an evil force in the world right now, probably the best way for you to combat humanity would be to make them think that you don't exist. Make them think that there is no consequence for sin. Make them think that everyone goes to heaven and you just do what you want, live how you want, and it's all going to be okay. But that's unfortunately not what we read in the Bible. And those principles applied. If you, if you told your children, hey, there's no consequence for your action, you, know, you already know the result. Chaos, disorder. If you went into work and your boss says, hey, just go with the flow, Go with what you feel like. Go with what is nice to you. Go with what makes you feel happy. You know that no work's getting done. <laughs> You'd be away out, out around the lakes, out for coffee, to the cinema. There would be no functionality. There would be no order. It just doesn't work, unfortunately. The world we live in with evil, it's in us all, me included. There's a part of me wants to be selfish. There's, there's a pull in me that, that wants to do his things his own way, and when I submit to Christ, and when I submit to God's conviction in my life, I find it hard. But I know when I sow into that, and when I submit to that, there's life in it. There's functionality in it. There's peace in it. And so I've realized that as I trust God, and the more I trust God with different areas of my life, more life comes from me. More truth comes from me. I'm more, a more trustworthy person, and I believe the same is for you. And before we start, we kind of dealt with kind of heaven, hell, or the Bible talks about in eternity if we depart or we don't have Jesus in our life and we don't surrender to him, then we depart from God's presence. And that word is hell. There's other words within the Bible. If you, if you dig deeper into the, the Greek and the Hebrew, uh, the word Gehenna was used. We'll maybe talk about that potentially next week, depending on how much we get covered here. Uh, but one thing I remember praying about this when I struggled with it, because I, I love people. I don't want anyone to be separate from God's presence, from God's power, from God's goodness. Who would, if anyone enjoys this kind of teaching and enjoys that people are being punished, they probably don't have God's love in their heart. And I, I remember praying a few years ago. I was just struggling, and I was wrestling with it for a year, maybe two. And I remember the Holy Spirit just making it simple for me. Who knows that it's good when God makes it simple? And he, he told me, Phil, I love your family. I love your friends. I love the people on the earth more than you do. 
If you love them this much, I love them way more. And so all I've called you to do, Phil, is to love people. And that isn't just tell them what they want to hear. That isn't just be nice all the time. That is to present the good news of the gospel. That's how we love people. We say, hey, listen, Jesus has died for your sin. He's given you hope for eternity. He's, it's a promise that he has and it's free for the wages of sin or death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You don't have to do anything apart from submit and surrender. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to be good enough. That's how you love people. The Holy Spirit convicts people. So you present that to people. The Holy Spirit's job, that's, there's, there's only so far I can go and we can go in changing someone's heart. Only God can convict. The Holy Spirit was sent to help us and help people to see the earthly kingdom and the heavenly kingdom. And finally, it's God who judges. He's holy. He's the creator. He made it all. And so it's his job to judge, not ours. The Holy Spirit's job to convict, and it's our job to love. Can you get an amen? And so that keeps it simple just as we move forward. The problem we have is it's impossible for God to be holy without being just because he must deal with evil. And I think from a blanket statement side of this, we would probably all agree that, yes, we want God to deal with evil. The problem we have is that evil is in us. I'm not saying fully. I'm not saying you haven't done good things in your life. I'm not saying uh, you haven't done great charity work over the years. I'm not saying any of that, but I am saying there's something in you that's not perfect. The proof is that one day you'll die. Your, your body is not perfect. It, it comes to an end. And so how do we deal with that? Because there's a price that needs paid. And that's the, the good news of Jesus. And so the reason we're talking about this and why it's so important as a church that we present this clearly is that what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. If you believe that, hey, everyone just goes to heaven, everything's just okay, there's no consequence for anything that I do, guess what happens? The same thing that happens when your boss says there's no consequence for no work. Same thing that happens that, that when the teacher says, don't worry about homework, don't worry about exams, just go with the flow. Same thing that happens in your family when you don't lead and you don't lead by example and there's no consequence for stealing in the small. Even if it's a cookie, what is it later? You might have stole something from the jar and if it's not disciplined and there's no consequence, that's small, it's not a big deal to you, maybe as a parent, as a leader, but what is it later? Because I don't know about you, when I let sin run rampant in my life, when I let thoughts that aren't godly run rampant in my life, and I don't challenge them, it gets worse. By the time I'm 16, by the time I'm 20, by the time I'm 30, it's not getting better. I need challenge. I love it when, when people say, I realize as I look back at my parents when they were fighting me <laughs> over stuff and they were challenging me, I didn't like it. Might even say, I hate you. But when I look back, I realize they weren't fighting me. They were fighting for me. And I actually needed challenge. And I needed taught. And I needed exposed. My heart needed exposed that there was parts of it that were selfish. What was the, one of the first things that a kid learns to do? The, one of the first words, mine. That's mine. Me, me, me. And so it's so important that we understand eternal, an eternal perspective because it changes how we live today. Because when we realize, well, what happens now changes 
how God rewards me. It changes eternity. It changes other people's eternity. It's, it's heavy, but it's the truth from the Word of God. And here's the right. You've got to ask the question. I had to ask this too. Why, why did I want... Uh, there's a part of me just want to be, wants to believe that everyone just goes to heaven. I would love, like, I would love that. But when I put it through the filter of truth and reality, even logic on the earth, of the consequences that I face, it doesn't make sense. It's fantasy. And when we read the scripture, the same is also true. And if I'm honest, probably in the past, I made up a God that was made in my image, because this is what I want you to do, God. And this is what I want you to be mad about. And this is what I don't want you to be mad about. This is where I want you to be free. And I want love to be love. And, but, but when someone opposes my view, I want you to punish them. Really what's going on within humanity and a lot of the culture right now is people are creating a God in their own image. Say, hey, God, listen to me. And it sounds very familiar because that's what this guy, Lucifer, this angel who was supposed to worship and give glory to God, that was what he, that's what he done. He, he, he was a worshiper, a lead worshiper, as far as we can see within the scriptures and the book of Isaiah. And what he decided to do is he wanted the glory not for God, for himself. And because of that, he was cast out. He lost his job. There was consequence to his action. It says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, if we think about what heaven looks like and, and what it feels like, and let's try and grasp today, we're going to talk a little bit more about heaven. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. So when we're thinking about heaven's reward, we're thinking about the hope of heaven, we're thinking about what has God prepared for his people, we can't imagine. Let me put it this way. If you love the idea of going to the Maldives this summer on holidays, even though it's very expensive, it's better than that. If your mind is blown when you, you went to Vegas and you went to visit the Grand Canyon, it's bigger than that. It's more impressive than, than that. If you'd love going on roller coasters and upside down and around the sides, and all, I remember going to Alton Towers on the Nemesis uh, and... Well, I probably felt not too excited about that, but some of you might enjoy that. And, and if you get a high from that, hey, heaven is better than that. Or if you've heard some of the best music with your ears and it's incredible, maybe you're in the here this morning, you're like, whoa, the music's incredible. Can you believe it? It's actually better than that in heaven. Or maybe you're thinking about a U2 concert or you're thinking about Luke, the country singer, what's the, Luke Combs? Luke Combs, I know, Shirley and Leah, they love that trip down to Dublin every year. Let's go. You love the country boots and concerts and yee-haw and yee-haw and get your hat on. And it's amazing. You're in the crowd and there's thousands of people singing and it's, they're in unison. It's, heaven is better than that. Or maybe you love being in the stadium with the football match and <clears throat> when your team's Scores, you start doing the bouncy. Let's all do the bouncy. And you're like, this is class. This is brilliant fun. I can't believe it. This is, life can't get better. Listen, heaven is better than that. I think, I don't know about you, there's been a lot of misconceptions about heaven, even when I was growing up. Uh, when I seen God's representation on the earth, the church, uh, I particularly didn't really enjoy church. So what's heaven going to be like if it's churches like this? Are you with me? 
It feels like death's door here, and you're telling me this is about heaven? It's fusty and it's smelly. It's pretty, pretty fusty and smelly in here, too, to be fair. <laughs> Sorry, guys, we're not doing a good job. We're going to try and get some, I don't know. I'm going to open the window. I'm opening the windows this week, so hopefully it's getting better. But heaven's better than this. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> Someone really has a problem with that. <laughs> You know, maybe you're in here and you're just feeling heavy with life. Life's been hard. You're going through something. You're in transition. I don't know where you're at. Here's a scripture that might encourage you. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Everyone say prepare. Said, like, you mean it, prepare. Prepare a place for you, and I will go back and prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's why if you're not new to church, or you've been in church before and we keep talking about Jesus, the reason we keep talking about Jesus because it's very clearly within the Scriptures that Jesus is the centerpiece, the cornerstone. He is the only way to the Father. He's the only way into eternity with God in heaven. He's one way. And as they were confused about how do we get there, what's the way? He says, I am the way. You go with me, you're going the right way. It's a narrow path, but you can come. And then we see within the book of Revelations, I've actually just started to read through that book um, just in the last few days, and we see a vision that John had. And it says this. It says, Then I saw a new heaven. So he's been exiled, persecuted for preaching the gospel. But it's funny how God has used a negative, hard situation nearly to create space in his life to write us a vision of what's to come. That's a word for someone in here. Maybe you're going through something and you're isolated. Well, maybe God has got some space in your life right now to speak in a way he couldn't when you were just doing the ministry, when you were just doing the work, when you're just busy. Maybe the isolation is solitude. Maybe it's a time for you to dig in and ask God, speak to my future. Speak to my purpose. Help me to help others. Now you've got my attention like never before. And it goes on to say this, he says, Then I saw a new heaven, a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So this earth will have passed away. The current heaven will have passed away. And then no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from a throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. Remember that his dwelling place is now among us because right now we can only experience God in part. The kingdom is now, but it's not yet. I'll give you a few examples in just a second. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God because right now we couldn't cope with God's holiness as it is. We've seen Moses on the mountain and, and, 
the, the, Jesus was coming, the, 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 God's holiness just couldn't be contained. It was so bright. It was blinding. It was hard to define. It was hard to use the words to really understand what was going on. Even within the, holies, the Holy of Holies, within the temple in the Old Testament, one person a year could only go in there with certain conditions. Why? Because God's holiness, His glory was so heavy that as human beings, we couldn't cope. That's why it's so important that we don't look at God through our filter of humanity. And that's why we say, but, but I'm a good person. Yeah, you're a good person in relation to other human beings. But when we compare ourselves to God's holiness, to His glory, we're, we're so far short, every one of us. Then it goes on to say, He will wipe away, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Who's ready for a new hip? Me. Come on, who's ready for a new body? No more gym. You might just do it for fun, if you like it. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Let me just pray as we, we go into this next part. God, I just pray and ask you, Father, just to open our eyes. God, we know that the enemy, the devil, Satan, is a deceiver. He leads us to believe things which cause us to become blind, to not think eternally, but just to think for the here and now. To not think there's any consequences, but just to, to make a God in our own image, which in the end does us no good and leads to consequences. God, help me to speak your word I pray, Holy Spirit, come and convict and help us to come on board with what you've done and what you're doing on the earth today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Today's message is called The Hope for Heaven. See, what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. Don't worry, there's not that much left here, by the way. You're like, what? He's only done the intro? Land the plane, Phil. Land the plane. Don't worry, we're nearly there. So I just want to finish off with three misconceptions that we have about heaven. Number one, heaven is boring. <laughs> As I said before so many times, because of what we have seen representing God on the earth, it maybe looks like it's heavy. It certainly doesn't look like a party. Maybe some of us or like, that's why I want to be in the world, because at least they're having fun. That's why I want to not live for Christ, because it looks like death at the minute. <laughs> but actually, when you get in contact with the presence of God, it's the very opposite. That is a lie, that's deception, that's not real. Now, I'm not saying there's not boring Christians, because there are. But that is certainly not the mandate that God has given us on the earth. Because if the joy of the Lord is our strength, if He wants us to have a spirit of joy, to see positively in every situation, to take even the worst situations and allow them to build us, there's always hope. He's good. He's a good Father. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. It's positive. When you're with Christ... 
But we, as we've said, the devil is a liar. And he wants to deceive us. See, heaven is the opposite of boredom. Because why? It's the absence of evil and it's the presence of God. See, everything that you enjoy on this earth, it comes from God. Your taste buds, your ability to see, every bit of food that you enjoy, it comes from God. When, when, when you laugh, when you love, it's all rooted from the goodness of God. It's what He created, what He allowed. We're made in His image. One of, the, one of the best scriptures that you can read within the Bible, that man and woman were made in God's image. The difference with heaven is there just will be no sin, no evil, and no pain. 1 Corinthians 13 says, we will know one another, love and be loved. So it's not this kind of weird, we're not in like a spiritual form. There's a, there's a new f physical heaven and earth. If you can think about the Garden of Eden and uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, and God's original plan was that they would be in human form, with hands, eyes, legs, built in God's image, and they, they would look after the animals and the ground and they wouldn't have to work and toil the soil. They wouldn't have to have pain through childbirth. But, but it was a functional place of beauty, of perfection. And that was God's plan. And that is what he's restoring. A new heaven and a new earth. And that we will know each other. And the cool thing is, we don't know with our eye, with our ear, with our, with our mouth. We have never experienced the beauty that God has planned. And so that means we'll see new colors. We'll taste new tastes way better than we've tasted before. The beaches will be way better than the North Coast. The water will be way clear. It'll be way, way beyond anything we've ever dreamed or imagined. See, it says that no man could see God and live. When, when you see Jesus, you realize you never truly lived before that moment. This is why we see all the representation throughout the Scriptures. When people see, saw Jesus, they were compelled. They were drawn. Sinners wanted to be near Him. He, he, he hated sin, but He loved the sinner. There was something about Jesus that compelled us. But we see Him in part, and we'll see God in full in heaven. You have a new and perfect body. Heaven is the absence of everything bad, painful, and evil. It's the presence of everything good, holy, and glorious. Whatever you can imagine, heaven is better. There's no more death, pain, sorrow, sickness, fear, stress, anxiety, sleepless nights, betrayal, abuse, heartache, divorce, disease, violence, injustice, racism. All of that is gone in heaven. Heaven is the opposite of boredom. It's the presence of of God and it's the absence of evil. Number two, this world is your home. That's a misconception. We, we, we play all of our, our moves on the earth. We invest all of our talent, our treasure, everything that we've got, we invest if we believe this is our home. But if we think eternally, we're not planning for now, we're planning for later. We're sowing now to reap later. Why? Because 
Heaven is our home. Heaven is where it gets better. There's an increase in heaven. But if we believe that the world is our home and this is all we've got, then we invest all that we've got here and now. We live how we want, when, when we want, do what we want, lose all really purpose and meaning and structure for what is happening right now on the earth. And we certainly are not eternally minded. It says in Philippians 3, their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus. It says in Ecclesiastes that our life is but a vapor, meaning it's just, just gone. You look in the mirror as a teenager, with all that comes with that, and before you know it, you're 60, 70, and what did I do with my life? Did I live for anything that actually lasts? Or did I just build the house for the here and now? Did I just buy the car for the here and now? Did I just live and have conversations which were artificial and shallow? Did I know I should have invited someone to man night, but I, I just couldn't be bothered? I wasn't really thinking about eternity. I was just thinking about what was nice for lunch. And let's be honest, we can all so easily fall into that. That's why what you believe about eternity affects how you live today. Because if you don't think there's any consequence, there's any problem, then you're chilled. Just, I just want to be gratified. I just want something to make me excited right now. I don't want anything serious. But in the reality of life, the logic of life, it, there's consequences to every action that we make anyhow. Things that we sow now, we'll reap maybe later on in our life. There's thoughts that we allow that if, if we can continue to allow them to be, to be sown, well, we'll reap a harvest from that thought, whether good or bad. So logically, there are consequences. Logically, there is good and evil. So the question is, can we see it? Can we feel it? Because if we can feel it, guess what happens? We deal with it. We make the decisions that need made. God can begin to infiltrate our lives if we take on board what he said in his word, and essentially we come to life. And we start to sow for something that lasts and that matters. Second Corinthians 4 and 18, it says, For the things we see now will soon be gone. For the things we cannot see will last forever. Last misconception, most people are going to heaven anyway. You know, that's a beautiful thought. I love that thought. I would love to submit to that thought. I'd love to preach that thought. But when I read the scriptures, it's not what Jesus said. It's not why we have the cross. It's not why Jesus died for, for, for God so loved the world that he, he sent his only son. For those that believe will not perish, but have everlasting life. So you have to believe. You have to trust that word belief in the English part. In our language, probably means more. You've got to trust him with your life. You've got to give him your life. You've got to let him pay for your sin and your imperfections and your brokenness. And it's all good from there. It's all good news. He's the source of life anyhow. He gave you breath anyhow. It's just coming back, taking off the blindfold and seeing God for who he is anyhow. And when you do that, the promise is one of eternal significance. It's one 
that lasts forever. It's one that gives you peace and a promise. You don't have to fear death any longer. But it also gives us an urgency for the now. It also gives us an urgency to share the good news of Christ and to play our part and leave the rest to the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? See, a misconception is that, that good people go to heaven. That's not true. Forgiven people go to heaven. It says this in Romans 3 and 23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Every human being that's ever existed has fallen short, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. That's why it's good news. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. You see, there's a sense of fear that is dealt with, so it relieves our fear, but it also gives us urgency. Hey, we're not playing games. This is real life. It's a real problem. Sin is a real problem. Evil, satanic power, demonic power is a real problem. We can, we can put our head in the sand. We can put a blindfold on. We can make a God in our own image and believe what we want to believe. But the reality is still true. See, the gospel is good news to people who are not good enough. Maybe some of you are afraid, I don't know if I'm good enough, I've done enough on this earth. I don't know if God is still happy with me. Maybe I know my wife uh, came from a Catholic background and, and she probably had that mentality a bit. And when she realized the, the, the gospel that why Jesus came was actually, you'll never be good enough. And that's why Jesus came. And the line is now behind you. The line in the sand is behind you and you go from there. And yes, you're imperfect, but God still uses imperfect people. Because the gospel is about a perfect God sending his perfect son to deal with imperfect humanity, to bridge the gap, to empower us, to, so that we can actually experience God in part on the earth and full in heaven. It says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 55, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He said to the believer, Where, O death, is your victory, where, O oh, death, is your sting. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's celebrating here. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. There's an urgency because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Eternity matters. We're doing this for the sake of eternity. Heaven is our home. Earth is not. We're here for a short period of time. And what we sow now, we reap later. And the beauty about this whole story, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is that it's free. It doesn't cost you a penny. It costs Jesus everything. And the promise is forever. And God has called you not just to accept the good news, but to share the good news. So that other people would have that promise and make their peace with God forevermore. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. 
This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.